October 16th will be our one-year anniversary of the community uh, grand opening. And so we're excited to, uh, for that Sunday in particular, which is just a few weeks away. We're going to have kind of a different style worship service. It's going to be a little bit different. We'll have some video. We'll have some, um, some photos and, and some special music and testimonials and things like that. And my message will be a little more condensed. And what we're going to do is we're going to end at 7, believe it or not. And we're going to end at 7, and then we're going to go out there and uh, get some food and then come back here and have things set so that you can sit down and hang out. And we're going to do it good old school potluck style. And so if you can be thinking about, I got this great dish I can bring, represents your country or your, your native land of wherever you're from, Texas or Florida, I don't know, wherever you're at, bring something and uh, it'll be a good time. And uh, we'll just really celebrate what God's been up to among us. We're also going to allow that to be a time for us to bring family and friends, and maybe community connections. We're going to invite a lot of people that we've connected with up at Washington Beach Housing Complex and down in Rosendale Square, Main Street. And so it'll be a good time. And uh, just make sure you're here, and uh, we'll be working towards uh, maybe letting you know some more details about that as it comes. And so it'll be, it'll be a great time. I'm excited about that. So tonight we kick off a new series. We're calling this series Behold. And so why don't we go to the Lord in prayer, ask Him to bless our time together, ask him to illuminate the scriptures to our hearts, to our minds, and then we'll also just pray for some needs among the church body. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that we're here tonight. We don't take it for granted. We don't want to ever take it for granted that we can come together and that we can worship the risen King Jesus, that we have a Lord who is reigning, who is alive and well and moving. And God, I just pray that we would see that and we would sit in the weight of that tonight. And Father, we we tonight just, we come into this room, many with, with burdens that are unknown, maybe not shared, and um, Lord, I pray that um, today you would comfort those who are hurting, Lord, for those who are in a place where they need a challenge, Lord, I pray that you would challenge them, you know right where we're at, and so God, I pray that you would do uh, with us exactly what you want to do tonight. And God, we do pray for, um, for our community, as always, we pray that you would allow us to, as we just spent the past few weeks focusing on it, we would shine in this community and we would impact this community in, in a powerful way that we would be able to lay down deep, lasting gospel roots here in West Boston. And Father, I pray that we would all see that we have the opportunity to be a part of that, that we have the opportunity to be missionaries here in the place that you have planted us for such a time as this. And so God, I pray that we would, um, we would really receive that challenge and that calling from you. And so God, um, I commit everybody in this room to you wherever they're at. I pray that you bless them, encourage them, do with them what you want to do. And God, tonight as we launch uh, into this new, um, this new focus for the next few weeks, Lord, I pray that it would be fruitful and it would be um, really uh, lasting in our hearts and in our lives. And so we uh, commit this time to you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So have I ever told you about how I met my wife? Yes? No? And if I have, I'm going to do it anyways. You know that, right? And so, uh, guys, bear with me for a few minutes. I'm going to get sappy here, and um, it'll just be just for a minute, so don't worry. And then, ladies, enjoy this because this doesn't happen very often, and so I know you like this kind of stuff. And so just hopefully this will hold you over for the next few months of of sappy stuff in church. But when I was a sophomore in college, I was uh, in this group that would travel up and down the East Coast for two to three weekends a month, and uh, it was kind of a crazy thing that we did, and we'd get home at like sometimes, you know, midnight, two, three in the morning sometimes from, you know, 
up in Massachusetts or all the way down in, in Florida in the meeting in Virginia where we went to college. And so it was, uh, was kind of crazy life that I had in college, but um, it, was, it was really kind of a neat opportunity. What we did was we would go into churches and we put on these big youth conferences and and we would lead worship, and I was the drummer, and then we would uh, also do some times just teaching uh, high school and middle school students about the Lord and kind of focusing in on them and pouring in on them. It was a really powerful time in my life, but the beginning of my sophomore year, our group was looking for a female vocalist. Uh Uh-huh, you know where I'm going with this? And so I was helping out with auditions for uh, the the female vocalist, and I was kind of doing some different things, running around, And we had gone through all the females of the night, and it was time to bring in the last female. And so this guy um, goes out into the hallway to call in the last lady for the last uh, audition of the night. And I remember walking out to the hallway and inviting this girl in and opening the door, and guys, slow motion. I mean, in slow motion, I opened the door for this stunning, curly-haired blue-eyed bombshell from Massachusetts, and she looks at me, and she goes, thank you. It was just so beautiful. And, and so this girl goes on, sings her heart out, and they guess who they chose? They chose the last girl of the night, the girl who would be my wife. Out of 34 girls that auditioned that night, they chose her. She swears that that number keeps getting bigger and bigger every time I tell the story, but hey, It's my love story, so leave it alone, all right? It was probably 100, I don't know, but it was awesome. And so I would go on to propose to this girl overlooking the Boston Harbor, which I had never been to at that point in my life. We would go on to have three beautiful children. And so I'm a blessed man, and and so that's, that's my love story. Was it love at first sight? For her it was, you know, but for me... Now here's the thing. When I saw her, when I saw her, I was absolutely smitten. And from that day forward, there was no other girl for me but this girl. And really, little did I know just how much my life would change when that girl from Massachusetts looked up at me. And uh, a few months later, as we had become friends, finally I got the guts up to ask this girl out on a date. Really what it came down to was the guys in my dorm were like, listen, if you don't stop talking about this girl and act upon this, we are going to humiliate you. And so they had this elaborate scheme. They were going to humiliate me. And so I got the guts up because of them, a little bit of help. And I went forward and asked this girl on a date. And the rest is history. And here we are tonight. And, uh, you know, the more time I had to get to know her, um, the more taken I was and the more I was able to see my future as I spent time with her and continued to, to see her. Let me tell you something. Tonight, here's where we're going. Historically speaking, when you look through the, the scriptures, what you're going to see is that when people see God, their lives are forever changed. When people see God, their, their lives are forever changed. Their, their world, in a sense, is changed at once in that the trajectory of their life, whether they even realize it or not, begins to go in, a, in another direction. Because of Psalm 34, 8, it, it says that they have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and they want nothing else but the Lord. There's no going back. And so tonight, we, we launch into this series that we're calling Behold, Seeing God Changes Everything. And I really believe that. I believe that when you see God, um, it, changes, it changes everything. When you see God, let's get this right, for who he really is. Because a lot of times we see God for what we want him to be, 
but not really for what he actually is, and there's no life change. But when we see him for who he really is, in his power, in his glory, in his majesty, in the radiance of his character, his person, his work, we are, are changed. So let's go, let's go to our scripture for tonight, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you have a Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, if you don't have one, we'll always put the scripture up on the screen, and you can always grab a Bible on your way in at the back doors there. And uh, if you don't have one tonight, uh, grab one of those on your way out, and you can keep that. That's our gift to you. We'd be glad for you to have that, but you can, uh, you can look along on the screen tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and um, let's read it together. Here's, here's what it says. It says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so, this week we get our overarching principle for the series, and it's in this verse here. And the next week what we're going to do is we're going to press a little bit deeper into this text. But tonight, what I want to do is I want to give you two primary things. I want to give you the principle... And I want to give you the problem. I want to give you the principle and the problem. So here's the principle from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. The overarching principle for this series is this. That as we behold the Lord, we are being transformed. As we behold the Lord, we are being transformed. And, and this really for us as a, as a new church here in West Boston is, 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 is really incorporated into our DNA, into who we are and who we want to be. be. The, the beginning section of our our vision statement says that we want to be a transformational community of believers committed to Christ-centered living. And, and, and we get that really from, from right here, that, that we want to be a transformational community of believers. We want to continually be transformed, metamorphic. We want to be changed. We want to be changed. And so if you claim to be following Jesus... But if your life looks exactly the same as it looked a year ago, or even six months ago, then, then there's something wrong. Because if you are beholding the Lord and all His glory, it, it changes you. Where Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that, that as we see, we see Jesus, we see that He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact representation of, of the Lord, the Father in heaven. And so if you are beholding that, Jesus, you will be, be changed. Notice what it says here. Look back down at the text. Notice that it says you are being transformed. So here's, here's what's not happening. Not necessarily are you automatically like angelic and floating in the clouds and, and everybody says, wow, he's so holy, so, so righteous. It doesn't necessarily happen overnight, but people should be able to look at your life and say, she's different. He's, he's different. Uh, things, are, things are changing in his life. Things are changing in, in her life. And, and changing into what? What does it say? It says changing into the same image. Let's catch that. That's important. Changing into the same image that, that you are beholding. So not that you're becoming God, but that you are becoming God Lee, you're, you're, you're changing, transforming into the same image. And that image in, in first, or, or Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, God has created us in his image, right? He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so we're, we're made in that image of God 
but what happens? You know the story, Genesis chapter 3, man sins. Sin happens, it messes the whole thing up. And so that image that we were created in becomes distorted because of our, because of our sin. Uh, my, my wife and I, we have um, some friends, and, and this summer their, their four-year-old daughter got into this awful accident, and she was kind of playing around the house, and she reaches up and pulls the plasma TV off the wall. It just pops and falls on her, and just, it just crushed her face. It was really awful. We had a lot of people praying for a, a long time, and her face was distorted. It was, it was changed from what she was born to look like, what she originally looked like, and so she uh, throughout the course of this summer has undergone just a series of surgeries, reconstructive surgeries to really return this beautiful little girl's smile back to who she once was and, and to look like what she once looked like. And, and every time that she saw the surgeon, restoration would happen, right? He would do the work. He'd show the mirror. Here's what's happening. Here's the change. You are being restored back to what you, you look like. That's what we want to take place here. And, and hopefully we get that, that as we behold the Lord, we are being changed, we are being restored back to that same image, that original image. And we're becoming closer and closer to that original image, Christ-likeness. And so let me, let me just make it a little more practical. That's kind of theological. Let's, let's go a little bit more practical. Here's what, here's what that looks like for, for you and I, that as we see God, as we behold God, as we come before Him in His presence and we see Him, we start to see our sin. Do you get that? The closer we get to the Lord, we start to see our sin for how ugly it is. We see it for how offensive it is to a holy and perfect and righteous God who made us to follow Him. And so what happens is as we really see Him for who He is, not what we want Him to be, but for who He is, we start to deal with that sin. We start to maybe confess some sin to the Lord. We start to say, okay, it's time for me to, to move forward and, and, and handle this stuff. And so uh, you're not dealing necessarily with the same sin that you were dealing with last year because you've, you've dealt with that. You've moved forward with that. And now you're, you're moving on, whether it be sins of, of commission or maybe sins for many of us, sins of omission. What I mean by that is some of these are sins that we, last year we were committing these sins, but we dealt with them and now we're moving forward and, and we're not dealing necessarily with those same sins in the same way we were because we've dealt with them, we've confessed them, we moved forward. Maybe they're sins of, of omission, the sins that we, things we omit to do that God calls us to do, the things we're not doing. And so maybe there were things last year that God calls us to do Sharing your faith, going public with Jesus, pressing into the scriptures. Uh, maybe it's, it's uh, the, the, the sin o- o- of omitting to live humbly. Maybe you've been living pridefully. Last year, that's where you were. You were omitting those things. And this year, in theory, if we're really beholding the Lord and he's really changing us, we move forward and we're not dealing with the exact same sins this year. Not that it's, it works on a timeline that, like that, but you get the point. We move forward. And, and I'm telling you that if you're really beholding the Lord, if you're really making it a point to come before the Lord and to see Him, He he changes you. You walk away not the same person. You can't. You can't. you, You begin to be stirred as you see Him. You begin to be convicted as as you see him 
You begin to be empowered to do the things that you're maybe not doing that he calls you to. Maybe you become refreshed in his presence. Maybe you're reminded of the security that you have in him as you come before him. But this is the principle. Beholding the Lord should change you. And so there's the principle. What's the obvious conclusion then? The obvious conclusion is that if beholding the Lord changes us, the obvious conclusion is that we should get as many glimpses of him as we possibly can squeeze into our life, right? Acts chapter 2, they they give us the description of the early church, and it says that they were devoted, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to this. We we just want to see him, we want to learn about him, we want to know him, we want to behold him. So they were devoted to this stuff. And if we understand that he changes us as we come before him, we're going to try to, to squeeze in as many glimpses of him as we we possibly, possibly can. With, with my, my now wife, Becky, I remember that first summer after uh, meeting her and beginning to date her and, and just fall in love with her, right? I remember my first summer, we were a thousand miles away from each other, and it was awful. I totally remember the, the, the time she came down that summer, flew down to, to be with my family for a week. I drive her to the airport, and we say goodbye and I'm on the car ride going home, and I'm just like this blubbering idiot. Just like, oh, how can I get four more weeks apart from her? I just couldn't even imagine. It was awful. And so when I got home, I, I get on the phone, and I call up her father. And, and I say, uh, hi, um, Mr. Spring. Uh, I was just calling to see if, is there any chance that I could arrange a, a maybe coming up there in the next few days to see your daughter? I thought she's still there. Well, she's... She's at the airport, but she, she's probably getting ready to board now. Okay, great. And so I remember all this money I had, a big whopping, I remember $128, and I bought the cheapest plane ticket I ever bought round trip online, and I flew up to see her and surprise her. Only two days later, it was super smooth. And I'm telling you, I couldn't be apart from her. I just, I just had to see her. And listen, the idea is that if God is really changing us, and, and as we see him, we just see what he's doing in us, and we see how great he is, we, we get to this point where we just have to see him. We get to this point where, like David in the Psalms, he says, without you, Lord, apart from you, my soul is parched, like, like in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I, I just have to be with you, Lord. I just have to, to be with you. And so that's, that's the principle, that we get as many glimpses as humanly possible in this lifetime, that we can just come before him and, and we can be with him and see him and be changed by him. Listen, if somebody discovered the fountain of youth, you better believe that people are going to be swimming in the fountain, right? And if, if we understand that, that beholding the Lord changes us, we've got to be swimming in his presence, right? We want to be where he is. We want to behold him. We want to, to see him. But here's, here's the problem. Sometimes beholding the Lord is not always a refreshing swim, is it? Sometimes beholding the Lord is not refreshing, but it's refining. And so the principle is he changes us, and so we should want to behold him as much as possible. But sometimes, here's the problem, sometimes he wants to refine us, and so we don't really want to be where he is because we know what's coming. This, this sweet little girl, this, this daughter of our friends, you got to understand she wasn't looking forward to all the surgeries 
that she was facing this summer, but it was necessary to restore her to what she once was in, 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 in her smile. And I think so many Christians don't want God to go there yet. No, God, don't go there yet. I'm not ready for, for that. We have these sins that we're holding on to that we don't want, we don't want God to, to deal with. And, and so often we can't look past the difficulty of the, refi- the refining process of the transformation. We can't look past that to see where we can be the glory, as it says, that awaits us on the other side. And can I just acknowledge that this has been true in my own heart, that there have been sins and things that have, have, have vexed me, that I've struggled with, that, that I have just not wanted to deal with. And, and what happens is as I harbor these things and don't want to deal with them, maybe they're enjoyable, maybe they're things that are too hard for me to deal with, maybe it involves me talking to somebody and I just can't go there. And, and so what I have found is what that does is I hold on to them is over time it, it, it pushes me away from the Lord. It, it, it puts this wedge between myself and the Lord. But in time as I've dealt with those things, I look back and I say, I cannot believe that I stalled. It is so much better on the other side. It's painful in the middle perhaps, but so much better on the other side. And so let me ask you this. What's in it for you? What is it that, that you're you're holding on to. Maybe it's, there's something that's, that's maybe keeping you away from the Lord. Maybe it's something you're struggling with and, 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 and you don't want to go there. You don't want God to handle it. And so what begins to happen is it pushes you away from beholding the Lord. Maybe you know that God's calling you to do something and, and you don't want to do it yet. It scares you. It could be forgiving somebody. It could be releasing that bitterness that's in your heart. It could be going public uh, with your faith, it could be ending a relationship, it could be maybe dealing with that, that secret sin or going, going public with that secret sin to somebody that, that nobody else knows, whatever it may be, I just want to challenge you, please stop avoiding the Lord, go to Him, confess it to Him, and let Him begin to deal with it, cry out to Him, He wants to do that work in your heart, and I promise you, as you get to the other side, you'll say, man, it was so worth it. One degree of glory to the next I find myself entering into. It's incredible. Let's go back to the text. There's one more piece of this text that I want to see, and that's really within this word, beholding. If you look back, it says that we are beholding the glory of the Lord. Now, in the original Greek language, um, behold has just some, some really good meaning. It not only means behold as in we will see the Lord, but it also is a derivative of the word mirror. And, and so you, you hear this word, beholding the glory of the Lord. You also hear mirroring the, the Lord, glory of the Lord. And so some translations, uh, not the one we're reading out of tonight, but some translations actually go on to say, beholding as in a mirror the, the glory of the Lord. And so understand what it's saying is this, and just this beautiful depth of the Greek language. It's saying that as we look at Jesus, as we behold the Lord, as we behold him even in his scriptures, the fullness of God in bodily form, as we see him, we see him as in a mirror. And so the reflection that we see as we see God is we see who we can be in Christ. We see who we can be in in Christ. And so understand that, man, there should be in our hearts just this deep hunger for the word of God because we see in it who we can be. We can see our future and say, this, that's, that's, 
That's who I want to be. I want to be like him. I want to, I want to live my life in, in, in conjunction, connected deeply with him. And, and you behold his glory and you behold his glorious work in, in your heart and in your life. And, and so here's what happens, I think, for many of us. Many of us look in mirrors, don't we? And we do that all the time, uh, whether physically, tangibly, a mirror or maybe just a mirror, some, something we're looking in to tell us who we are and what we want to be. And so maybe you look into a mirror physically and you say, I want less weight. <laughs> or maybe you say, I want more weight, muscle weight. Or you look in a mirror and you say, I want better skin. I want tighter skin. I want... Uh, you know, less gray hair, maybe you look in a mirror and you say, I, I, you know, I, I want more humor, I want better giftedness, I want better education, on and on and on and on we go. And can I just say that whatever that is for you, you're looking in the wrong mirror. You're looking in the wrong mirror. Maybe for, for some of you, we look at our career and we ask our career, who am I? Maybe for some of us, we look at our portfolio and we say, okay, portfolio, tell me who I am. I want to be who you tell me I am. Maybe you look at a relationship and you say, my identity is in that relationship. Maybe you look at your, your family and you say, my identity is in my family. For many here in Boston, this educational center of our country, you look at a school and you say, who am I? You tell me who I am. But here's the problem. All that stuff fails at some point. All that stuff is fading. And when you are looking to that to tell you who you are, when you're looking to that to reflect back to you who you are, and it fails you, you determine, I'm a nobody. My portfolio tanked. My education, I didn't get accepted. I didn't get into that program. My family fell apart. This relationship, they were unfaithful. Whatever it is, when it tanks, you say, who am I? I'm lost. I don't know who I am. I'm a nobody. But as it instructs us, when we see the glory of the Lord, we see it as in a mirror. We begin to see who we are and who we can be in Christ. And so this is not self-help guruism. This is, this is seeing God for who he is and allowing God to, to change you as he shows you this is who you were designed to be and we're working towards restoring you back to that. You see me and I reflect back to you who you can be with me. And like a careful surgeon, maybe for many of us it's not easy, but there's some deep work that needs to take place. And as he does that, it's powerful and it's changing and it's essential. And so how do we respond? Let's close with this. How do we we respond to what we hear from this, this powerful verse of scripture? We'll press in a little more next week. I think here's how we respond. I think we need to respond like Zacchaeus. Do you remember Zacchaeus? A little story about Zacchaeus, and it's kind of always been that, that cute kid's Bible story. Some of you know the song, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, and he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to, to, to see. And here's what we have to do. We have to respond like Zacchaeus. If we know that beholding him changes us, Like Zacchaeus, we have to get ourselves to a spot where we can see him more clearly. You need to get yourself to a spot where you can see him more clearly. And maybe you're in a a place in life right now where you know it is impossible for you to see him 
more clearly. Like you want to be changed in him. You want to be who he wants you to be in him. But, but you're not in a spot where you can see him clearly. You have a lot of junk in your life that, that's just in the way. And you need to say, what do I need to do to get rid of that so that I can see the Lord for who he is? What is it that I need to do to position myself where I can see the Lord for who he is? Maybe it's, it's for the first time you need to really get serious. I want to press into the scriptures and I want to see God for, for who he is. I want to behold him and I want to understand the mirror. James chapter 1 says this is our mirror, that it would reflect back to me who I am in him as I see his glory. And so my prayer for us as we close out tonight is that we would leave with just a, a, a newfound resolve and determination that I want to behold the Lord that I want to see him. Understand that it's not work on our behalf to see him. It's just, God, I know you want to show yourself to me. God, I know you want to reveal yourself to me. Yes, please show me yourself and let me see you and just show me what the junk is that's in the way that, that I'm just unable to see you, God. Make that clear and, and call out to him, cry out to him. I'm praying for you guys for that tonight. And that's our intro to this series, that we would behold the glory of the Lord and that we would be changed. Can I pray for us? God, we love you. God, we thank you for the chance to be reminded of something that maybe we, we understand, but we're not living. And God, I pray that, Lord, that we would draw near to you and that you would draw near to us and you would change us. Lord, that you would be that surgeon in our life and, and do exactly what you need to do in us, God. Yeah, we want to behold you. We want to see you. I want to be like, like Moses who said, show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. God, you know where every single person in this room is at. You know the junk that's in the way so that they can't see you. And Lord, would you do the work to move that stuff? You would show us that, that there are ways that we can position ourselves, that we can better see you clearly. We can make time for you so that we can press into your scriptures. We're all busy, but Lord, help us to do that. Lord, that we can, we can remove from our lives those, those relationships that are pulling us away from really knowing you and pressing deep into you. Lord, show us these things, God. Help every single person in this room tonight, Lord, to behold you as they need to behold you so that they might be changed and see who they can be in you. And God, I do pray that if there's any person in this room tonight who does not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, they would just place faith in you, that they would trust in what you have done by coming to earth as a man, living the life that we couldn't live, dying the death that we deserve, and resurrecting victoriously back to life. God, may they say, I want Jesus. I want to follow him because he beat Satan, sin, and death for me. And so, Lord, I pray that they would trust in you, turn to you. Lord, do your work in us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.